0: We are finishing up the series on No More Camouflage today, which you've heard from Joanne and you've heard from Brent. And we are talking today about how to live that life of holiness and how to get to that after we have, you know, examined our lives, after we have made sure that we, we know where God's Word is. We found it. We're not going to leave it in a storage room somewhere to be forgotten. And so today we come to the road map in 1st Thessalonians 5 and it's verses 12 through 22. We're gonna break them down just a little bit um, into four different parts and so that they're a little more manageable because that's a big chunk of scripture for us to to take on all at once. So a um, couple of things we're going to talk about today is the how-tos of church. And the first thing I want to do before we get into that is have you close your eyes Trust me. Point north. Okay. Open your eyes. North is this way. And and don't worry about it. If you didn't know where north was, that's cool. That's cool. I had to look at the compass to figure out where north was. So don't 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 feel bad. Um, I do that because a lot of times we we close our eyes to the things that we should be focusing on and we lose our way and we can't always find it and we need to know where our true north is. We need to know where our road is taking us. And so this is a road map for the church. So let's go ahead and pull up this first one. This is honoring church leadership. This is not just pastors and staff. This is everybody, your Sunday school teachers, the, the kitchen staff, everybody who has a role here in the church. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. This one is one of my favorite scriptures. It's one that my parents have taught me since I was a Young as I can remember um, being in church, and we always um, tried to remember to do things for our Sunday school teachers and that kind of thing but one of the one of the small things that we can do is just respect to respect the, the leadership to respect is, and and again I'm not talking about just paid, I'm talking about volunteer, I'm talking about everybody who steps in and takes a role, I'm talking about the folks at Bridging the Gap, I'm talking about the folks at One Roof, all the folks that are in ministry with us that take a lead role, because they labor for the Lord. We all labor for the Lord, right? And when we labor for the Lord, we are productive, and sometimes we can get kind of weary. Anybody in here have a leadership role and you've gotten kind of weary of it? maybe needed a reminder or a word of encouragement. One of the things that verses 12 and 13 remind us to do is to give honor to our leaders, to think, you know, to think highly of them, to to use our words of of criticism and, and praise with grace and love in a way that honors the God who went to the cross for us, in a way that you know, that calls us to live in peace with one another and this is, this is so critical and just a note telling somebody, you know what, you did a great job. I just wanted you to know I saw that you did this, you really kind of did it behind the scenes, but I wanted you to know how much we appreciate you doing this. We have volunteers who come in every week. We have one in particular who folds and stuffs all our bulletins. She's awesome, and I try to stop and tell her that every time I see her doing that because, you know, that's, that's a big job. And she sits there and very patiently folds them, very lovingly folds them. She gets everything ready for us on Sunday mornings. And just a word of prayer for her sometimes when I see her folding those bulletins or a note or something like that can go so far. We all like to be appreciated, right? Anybody not like to be appreciated? (laughs) I don't see any hands, so. (laughs) Um, But we are called to use grace in that respect and in this next set of Scripture, which is about shepherding each other. Um, we're, We're told in Scripture that Jesus is the good shepherd, and that he looks after the sheep as one who would give his life for them. And we're called to do the same thing. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. In the translation from Greek to English, what is conveyed in this and what is, what is meant, most scholars believe, is that we are to put into the mind of someone or talk some sense into someone when they go astray. We do that with our kids, right? I hope we do that with our kids. Yeah? Yeah? Um, we do that sometimes with each other. My brothers and my sister and I have talked sense into each other many times. Our parents have talked sense into us many times, and we find ourselves um, very grateful for their direction. For their coming in and saying, "You know what? I love you, and I, I I see that you're you're maybe not following the path that you should, or maybe you need to give this path some thought because I'm I'm not sure that this is the best thing for you." Um, and it's amazing just how much knowing somebody cared enough to step up and come to you and face-to-face say, you know, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about some of the choices. I'm concerned about some of the things that are happening. We can always gain from from constructive relationships that seek to build each other up, to give love and, and to just really bring comfort because it, it's hard to take, it's hard to hear those things. When somebody comes up and tells you, you know, you're not real good at this, it's hard. But when we hear it in a voice of love of saying, you know what, this is a growing edge for you. Let's, let's work together. Let's see how we can do this. Let's see if we can all improve. I know I can improve on some things. So why don't we walk through this together? Because I, I, I want you to do great things. And it's, it's amazing to see just how much that can do. Just how far that can go. We're called to encourage the faint hearted. And, and the word faint hearted, I cannot pronounce it in the Greek, so forgive me. Um, but it literally means uh, small sold, souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. It refers to discouragement from trials. Anybody ever just have a season where you feel like it is one thing after another, after another, and it surprises, and you can just get really down? Lots of us find ourselves in that position, and we we come in and... Um, we don't always know what to say because, you know, somebody's inevitably going to go, how are you? Well, you may not be great. And you've got to sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm fine. <laughs> my brothers and my sister call bluff on me when I do that. And they tell me that I need to own up to what I'm feeling. And they remind me that, it's, you know, it's okay. We have trials. I remember my sister, she has three boys. And when her boys were little, all three of them had immune deficiencies in the, the, the genetics that, um, and Lewis, I'm going to get this wrong, I feel sure medically, but in the genetics that deal with um, the upper respiratory system, the sinuses, that kind of thing, there was an immune system deficiency they had to go for these treatments at the hospital they spent most of their childhood in the hospital and her youngest um, in particular was in the hospital about three weeks at one point would not take anything we had to do a feeding tube um, and it was just it, it was wrenching to watch my sister see this precious baby who was um, Sort of a surprise, he was not planned, but he became the exclamation mark in the family and still is. And a prayer vigil was started. And she had people that would come in and say, you know what, I, I, I know you've got to be hurting. They affirmed her, and they said, you know what, this is a trial, this is going to pass, this is going to keep going, but it's going to be okay. God is with you. God has not left you. And she told him, she said, you know, I'm just so drained. We can get weak. We can get drained from schedule, from finances, from... We can get drained from vacation. Amen? I can, anyway. And we find ourselves running out of gas. One of the things that Stephen Covey talks about in his planning is that um, he, he, he does an exercise with big rocks and small rocks, and you have to get all of them in, the, in one jar, and they will all go in the jar. But you have to figure out how to get them in there, and most people will pour the small rocks in and then start chunking the big rocks, and it's coming out the jar, and there's still rocks on the table. And then he takes it, and he says, let me, let me help you with that. Let's take our big priorities. Let's put them in then let's put in all these little things around them, and pretty soon you've got a jar perfectly contained with rocks in it. But it's all about how somebody can walk with you in that exercise. It's about how somebody can walk with you to help you see your priorities. And just one word of encouragement can make the difference between giving up and keeping going. Charlie Brown, I love Charlie Brown, I love Snoopy, he said, I love the world, it's people I can't stand. We need to have a lot of patience with each other. You know, we, we want people to be patient with us when we need additional time or we need to... to to have just a few more minutes to process something or we're working towards something and, and it's not quite coming together. We just, and you know, you got to have patience when you're cooking too. Um, if you want a really good meal, you have to have patience and give it the time to cook. I've got some dinner with friends later today and they said, well, we can do this the quick way or the right way. And they said, we can do this chicken in 45 minutes and it'll be okay. Or we can leave it on that grill for like an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 minutes, and it will be the best chicken you have ever had in your life. Now, I'm waiting for them to prove this to me this afternoon. But, um, and I probably just made y'all hungry. But we decided we were going to do it the right way. We're going to take our time with it. We're going to sit and enjoy each other's company we're going to take time to figure out what's going on with one another and sit down and just, you know, affirm each other. Life is hard. We get into um, to things that, that really just try our patience. Um, let's move on. That's where discerning God's will can come in and play a huge role. Rejoice. Always, not part of the time, always pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not always easy to rejoice, especially when Alabama beats Georgia. I'll just say it. Brent's are gonna re- rejoice. I, I, Alabama fans, y'all can rejoice. Y'all have at it. But it's not always easy to rejoice. It's not always easy when you get word or you're fearing something that the doctor may tell you and you're waiting some test results, it's not easy to rejoice. You know, you don't feel like putting, throwing a party. You don't feel like dinner with friends. You don't feel like getting together. Sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. And that can be the place that should, out of all places, lift you up outside of your family and we find ourselves in a position to where we have to remember that God has done great things, is doing great things, is going to continue doing great things, and that we're in incredible hands when we're in his hands. There's a quote that somebody once said that a coffee break is good, a prayer break is better, and a praise break is off the charts. I like that. You know, I can, be having a, I can be having a tough day, and I will put on some praise music and it changes my attitude. And I find myself walking around singing, and you don't want to hear me sing, but I find myself walking around singing, and I am all of a sudden praising, and it changes everything. One of my mother's closest friends, her name is Nita, and she's, she passed a few years ago, but she was an incredible example of rejoicing always and praying continually. She was a single woman, And she was a single woman all her life and one of her missions in life, one of the ways she filled her time was she, there's no telling how many stacks of sticky notes she bought. If you ever ask her to pray for you, your prayer was written on a sticky note and either stuck on her headboard or her bathroom door or her refrigerator or somewhere and literally you could walk in your house and you're like, okay, what's the deal with the sticky notes? And she's like, that's all the people I'm praying for. And sometimes she'd have a picture with them. And I can remember uh, one time in particular when my mom said, you know, I want you to pray for Maria. She's in a job transition right now. And this was prior to my call to ministry. And said, just said, you know, she, she she's had to move and, and, and due to... Um, a job relocation, and she's finding work there, and so here she is, and she, you know, it's just a tough market there. Would you pray for her? Well, I had no idea Nita was praying for me. And about a year and a half later, I was home, and she said, um, I want to hear about your job. And I said, well, how did you know about my job? Because I I didn't talk to her, and I knew Mom had not talked to her in a while, and she says, A year and a half ago, you asked me to pray for you about your job, and I've been praying every single day for you about your job, not only the transition, but that it would go well, but that you would flourish, but that you would, you know, find your place there, that you would find a way. And we need to do that in the life of the church. We need to find our place. We need to come in, and and prayer is amazing for helping us do that. Um... Prayer forces us to sit and to slow down. I don't know about you. Some people might pray going fast down the roadway. But I find it awfully hard to pray like that. I used to, there was a season in my life when things were just really hectic. And all I could do was pray at a red light and I would have my red light prayers. And that sustained me, but I had people praying for me too. And I finally got to the point, I was like, okay, I've got to sit down. If, if I'm going to make this a priority, I've got to do more than stop at a red light and wait for it to turn green and say my two-sentence prayer or think of who I'm thinking about and ask the Lord to look for them. And I became so grateful for that time. I became so grateful for the opportunity um, to pray for other people. I, I started, it, eventually it was just like, you know, I'm not even praying for things for me anymore. It causes us to slow down and to reorder our priorities. Part of holiness is figuring out who we are, whose we are, where we're going, what we're supposed to be doing, taking a look at what we're doing. One of the things that this scripture calls us to do is to look before leaping. And it's, I phrased it as worship with wisdom. And the last of the scripture says, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Well, I'm not a big fan of tests, but I find myself more and more going to scripture, whether it's something in my personal life, whether it's something in, in the political field that's alive and hopping right now, or whether it's in, you know, in the world around us. And I find myself going to scripture for validation more and more. And we're called to do that. One of the, you know, I love, um, I'm going to brag on one of our children's Sunday school teachers, Beth Royal does a fantastic job with our fourth graders, Um, and this morning I heard her telling the class, we're going to learn about the Bible. We're going to learn about the books of the Bible. We're going to learn where things are. We're going to learn how to reference things. Um, She is going to have those kids just outsmarting all of us. She's awesome. We have um, some staff that go in there and, and just read the board so they can learn from her. And I've done that sometimes. So she, um, she is awesome. But she has come to the, she's, she knows her scripture. It's, it's important for us to be in the word daily. That's part of our how-to with the church. It's part of our how-to with holiness is to be in the word daily so that we can test the things that are going on in the world around us. So that we can validate if we're having a question about a decision, you know, we may have a business opportunity. We may have some choice we need to make and we pray about it and we don't find an answer. We can go to scripture because the answers are there. We can call on God to be with us and to find, not for us to find God and for God to find us too, if that makes sense. But... We come, and we come, just counting on God to help us. We come, and and in testing, we need to look at a couple of things. We need to look at, you know, does think, do things agree with Scripture? Does the does it teach those who hear it? Do others believe that this is a word from God? Does the person who is presenting that word present it humbly? There are factors we can look at in addition to scripture to help us test and see. Holiness is a way of life. It's it's as easy as breathing air. It's natural. We don't have to think about taking our next breath. We just take it. But If you've ever gotten in a situation where you couldn't catch your breath, you felt like you were struggling for it. Sometimes we struggle for that natural ease with holiness. We find it by being in the word. We find it by praying. We find it by figuring out our compass and seeing where our true north is. Remembering who we are. We don't we don't have to camouflage ourselves. The word of God lets us stand up and stand tall in the world to lead us to a life of holiness that's not just mission, but a personal, devoted life. One where we seek to build up one another, where we don't seek to, to, to try to get back or anything like that. Where we come to the word and we put ourselves in it and we say, okay, God, change me. I'm here. I'm just going to see what you have. Change me. I promise you it will. We have talked today about some ways that we can find our way. Um, Y'all want to come on up? Um, You may have your own way. I have friends who have prayer porches where they go and reflect where they go and they sit down and they do things like they they will write a note or they will pray for someone who is in leadership in a spiritual community. Persons who are very active in the body of Christ, the fellowship of believers, the ministry of all people to come together and and we saw it at the volunteer banquet last uh... uh, when we had it we saw folks get up and say you know what if you're not volunteering with us, you're missing you're missing a blessing folks to kind of hold a mirror up to us to be gracious and to have gratitude and pray constantly to rejoice and to submit ourselves to the influence of the holy spirit so that we can discern god's will so that we can worship wisely and, and witness wisely. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we come to you this day and we seek your guidance as each of us go about our daily life. As each of us make decisions for ourselves, our families, our places of employment, our school life. medical situations persons who are facing mourning and we just come and we submit ourselves to you this day and we ask that you would just pour your word into our hearts that it would just permeate every part of our bodies that we could serve you and the world would just see you not us but you and then we can build one another up, not just here in these walls, but outside in the community and beyond. We trust you, and we look to you. And we are so grateful for the love of your son, Jesus Christ, and the guidance of your spirit. Guide us now as we see.